0: Let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 5 together. Romans chapter 5. Are we giving out church Bibles yet? No. Okay. So you'll have to find it yourselves, I'm afraid. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. I'm going to focus on just two verses, but we're going to hear. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This is good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, let's do that one again. That was not very good at all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word, for your good news, and for your hope. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us, each of us, to understand it, to receive it, and to respond today to you and to your word. Lord, I I pray that you would filter out anything of me, and that by your spirit, you'd rest now upon your word, and anoint it, Lord, to our hearing, to our doing, to our living. Would you speak, and might we hear and respond today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we've been going through together, haven't we, as as a church, this incredible chapter. Uh, It's an incredible chapter from an incredible letter. I don't know if you've ever sat and tried to read through Romans. It's a dangerous thing to do. If you know anything about church history, this letter changed everything. As one person sat with it, a guy called Martin Luther, suddenly realized, actually, we've got something radically wrong. And when he began to understand this gospel of grace, it it changed everything. Uh, It changed history, actually. It's a dangerous thing to read. Uh, And this chapter, chapter 5, is all about how we are justified before God by faith and by faith alone. And the verses I want to focus on this morning are these. For scarcely for a righteous man will one day, yet perhaps for a good man, Someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Justified by faith. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, it's going to be Mother's Day. So that's a quick heads-up, uh, chaps in the room, that it's Mother's Day coming up, and children as well. Uh, it's uh, only just around the corner for us. March is a really busy time. There seems to be lots of birthdays for us in March, and on uh, Mother's Day as well uh, at the end. Uh, but I don't know if you ever do this. I don't know. Uh, do people still buy cards for people and write them and send them? Does that still happen? Nobody wants to talk to me this morning. Well, it still does. Okay. I want you to think about the last time you bought a card for somebody, okay? Just, have a, just think back to when that was. And just in your own mind, get a number in your head. How many minutes did you take looking for that card for that person? Okay? If you think it was more than maybe, should we go ten, 10 minutes? If you think it was more than 10 minutes, just raise a hand for me. Okay, a couple of people. If you think it was more than five, five minutes, just raise a hand. Okay. If you think it was less than five minutes, perhaps you want to raise a hand. I think we found quite a sharp gender divide, haven't we, in in the room? It's a strange thing looking for a card, isn't it? Because you're trying to find somebody else's words that capture what you want to say, and so you find yourself reading card after card, looking at all these words. The only words I'm really interested in is the price on the on the back. (laughs) I s- we saw a stand the other day that said Mother's Day cards under five pounds. I thought they better be under five pounds. <laughs> but a card, isn't it? But it's a strange thing, isn't it? Choosing words. And yet the reality is, at an unconscious level, all the time we are choosing words. None of us really say, do we, what we're thinking or, or feeling. We kind of. We dance around things. We select words. We, we, we carve words. We, we, we put them together. We design uh, our, our words. And, and we know that behind that is something far more important. We live in a world, don't we, where words are cheap. And promises actually don't, don't matter that much. We live in a day and age where to exceed, it seems to me, in the political sphere, you have to be economical not just with your words, but with the, the truth. We live in a world where very often our words do not serve the truth. They serve our truth. And so we hear a lot of words, but we know that behind that, sometimes there is very little else. And that doesn't help us, because at our core, we need more than words, don't we? See, I can write anything in a card and, and send it to, to anyone, but if my lifestyle, if my actions, if, if my heart is not behind those words, it would be better to not have said anything at all than to be empty in my words. At our core, we have a need, don't we? And that need, quite simply, is to belong, is to be loved. And that need is often what drives some of our greatest fears that need to be loved and to belong. That's why we come home from meeting a group of people and think, why didn't that person laugh at my jokes? Or we think about conversations and think, was I too silly? Was I too serious? That's why we start to dress like our friends. That's why we start to watch TV shows that they watch, even if we're not really enjoying it. Why we say that we like things that we don't really like. It's why we laugh at jokes we don't really find funny. We we have a need, don't we, to be loved, to be liked, to, to fit in. And all of our fears are linked to our needs. And so our greatest fear is to be rejected, our greatest fear is to be unloved. And so we design our words. We design our appearance, our personality, our our performance around love me, like me, accept me, and into this world where we're hungry for love and yet fearful of rejection, fearful of being unloved, we have these words, but God, how many times when Paul is writing Does he paint this bleak picture of our nature, uh, of our world? It's as black as it can get. And then he finds these words, but God. This is a but God story. This is a but God life that we are living. But God demonstrates. He doesn't just tell us, and he's done that so often, hasn't he? Mary was praying beautifully earlier uh, about this world that God has made for us, this perfect environment now, God's love is, is on display 24-7. Just just look at it. The air we have to breathe. The fact that we are here. The beauty of this world. God has said it time and time again. Mary read it. I think Rosie read it one of the, the, the Psalms. His love endures forever. God wants us to know. He's shown us. He's told us so many times. But now, Paul says, but now God demonstrates. He shows us goes far beyond words, far beyond what we could ever expect. It's a really interesting word. If you know me, you know words fascinate me, and uh, Greek words especially. And This word demonstrates a really interesting word. Back in the, uh, back in the day, it was a word that was used to describe a, a market stall. And rather than just have all their goods, their spices or the fabrics or the fruit, or whatever it was, the fish, uh, rather than have it all in a big sort of pile, a big mess, it was somebody's job to display it all, the, to put it out so that, that people could see it. It's interesting now that we have a whole uh, kind of career, don't we, that's called marketing. Uh, well, it comes, kind of comes from this uh, thought that we want to display, we want to exhibit. And Paul tells us that here at the cross, Here in the death of Jesus, something is being displayed. Something is being exhibited. Something is being put on show. It's also a word that was used in a very different scenario. Uh, In a court of law, when you were making a claim or putting up a defense against something, you'd be asked the question, yes, but can you demonstrate? Can you prove that it wasn't you or that it was you? So Paul is telling us something is being portrayed, something is being proven at the cross. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, his own love, his own love. I was reading recently about the situation in Russia and the Ukraine, as I'm sure many of us have. Uh, And there's a rather strange story I saw uh, that some social media platforms are kind of revising their rules. Did you see this? About ways in which Russia can be described at the moment. Uh, There's certain rules about uh, language that can be used, um, but social media have decided that in this season, uh, they're going to pull those rules down so that people can talk about Russia and say all kinds of things uh, about them. And there's some concern uh, about this, rightly. Uh, But it it struck me as interesting. One one of the comments that somebody made uh, was that at a time like this, uh, anger needs to be expressed. Anger needs to be vented. And as somebody who's got a master's in suppression, uh, I get that healthy expression is is a good thing. But it's got to tell you something about us, isn't it? And yes, we see a tremendous outpouring of concern and compassion. But what a paradox we are, that at the same time, at a period of anger and hatred, we decide to throw more words of anger and hatred into the mix. What is that in us? Something is desperately wrong with us. And the Bible calls that sin. It's that selfish gene, it's that selfish need to say, no me, no, I I must be put first, I must be defended, I must speak. It's that rebellious part of us that demands our own way. And Paul is really, really clear here, cannot be clearer. God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still like that, towards him, before we finish, uh, that story, just just a, a, a really quick story. Uh, when our kids were young, one of them had this. I don't really know how to describe. I think it's, it's probably a teddy, uh, just like a little man, and um, just a little thing. Um, Jack, we called him. Uh, blue hat, blue blue jumper. Uh, and when we bought it, it was just another toy, but this one of our kids absolutely, I won't name them because we're on YouTube, but absolutely loved Jack. Would not go to sleep without Jack. Jack came everywhere with us. And over the years, Jack gets a little bit beaten up by how much love this person has uh, for it. And I think one of the arms got a little bit wonky and the blue didn't look as blue as it was before. But because it was always with this person, we never could nick it to put it in the washing machine. And And then there was a day when we were out uh, taking him for a walk, trying to get this person uh, off to sleep. And when we got home, we realized that Jack wasn't in the buggy. And I felt like the worst parent in the world. And so I retraced the steps where we'd gone to try and find Jack, pretty confident that he had to be there somewhere, could not find him anywhere. And then we got home, and I looked at all the other teddies, all the clean toys that we had and all the new toys that we had. Look, why that one? Of, of all the teddies, why, why that one? And the truth is that when we read these verses, if we're reading them right, there will be a part of us that goes, why on earth would God show his love towards us while we were still sinners? Have you ever had a friend who loves something and you just don't get it? I love Star Wars. Some of you, and I pray for you, but some of you just don't, <laughs> don't get it. You'll notice I don't mention it as much these days because some of you just don't, don't get it. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you don't get it. Some of you love football, and I pray for you as well. I don't get it. Why would you run all that way for one point? It just makes no sense to me at all. I love rugby. I love watching whales play rugby. And even I wonder, why on earth? Why on earth that makes sense? Don't try and understand this. There is no reason for it except that God is love. He made you in love for a loving relationship with him. So much so that when you were still saying no, when he was still living as if he wasn't there, Christ died for you. Now, this is really important. I remember um, years and years ago, my mum, who used to do the children's talks uh, in our church growing up, uh, was talking to the kids, and this big sort of question came up in this children's talk, and she asked them, "Why, why do you think this happened in the Old Testament? And one of the kids put his hands up and said, oh, that was in the Old Testament. That's before God became a Christian. But you kind of know what he means, right? You kind of know what he means. And sometimes we can read the scriptures and we can have this understanding of this judgmental, angry, hateful, petty God. And then Jesus comes and, and dies on the cross and that somehow allows him to love us. That somehow changes his attitude towards us. And now that Jesus has died and taken away that anger and that, that hatred and that pettiness, now we can be loved by God. Paul tells us, no, 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 no. Because of his love for us. That is what is being displayed uh, on the cross as, as, as inexplainable as it is outside of his grace. Outside of his love. While we were still sinners. Christ. Christ. God Himself, the Father's one and only Son. Every Christmas, it strikes me as we tell this nice story of a little gentle baby, in a cozy little manger, that we could never have asked for this. I mean, it is what we need. We, we need a substitute. We need somebody to die for us. Otherwise, we will face death alone and judgment that waits for us after that. We need a perfect lamb. We need a perfect offering. But we could never have gone to God and said, God, would you come? And because I can't, would you live a perfect life? And because I can't, would you die a perfect death? And because I can never repay it, will you pay my debt for We could never have asked for this. And nowhere else in the history of people's ideas about God, the the history of religion, has anybody ever come up with this? That God should love us as we are. Die for us to demonstrate it. See, if it's hard enough for us to look at other people who we can see and think, is this love safe? Is this love strong? Is this love true? How much harder is it with God? And if it's hard for us as human beings, they kind of think, well, if they really knew me, though, if they really saw behind the, um, the appearance and the performance, if they knew everything, they wouldn't love me. How much harder is it for us when God does know everything? Knows everything from our past, everything from our present, everything right now, and everything in our future knows every conversation we've ever had, publicly and privately, and looks at us and says, I love you. And if you need to see it again, go to the cross where my one and only son will be given and shared and offered and crucified for you. Christ died for us. It's interesting to me that as Paul writes this letter, one of the unique things about Romans, it's only true of one other letter, is that he's never been to Rome. It's a place he wanted to go, but at time of writing, uh, he, he never got there. And so he's writing to people that he does not know. And he says this, Christ died for us. And the Bible is emphatic on this one thing, that Jesus did not die because of the anger of the high priests. who accused him of blasphemy. He, he did not die for the Romans. Who wanted another traitor, another Messiah taken out of the pages of history? He didn't just die for those disciples that were there and brokenhearted. He died, Paul says, for us. He's able to look from the cross down through time and over the world entire and say, Father, forgive them. It is finished. You find your hope, you find your freedom here at the cross, or you will find it nowhere at all. And So many of us spend our whole lives looking for love and longing for love and all kinds of behaviors and addictions and anxieties grow out of this need for love and the whole time Christ is crying to us. It's on display. It's here for you. Be loved. And I want to show you one more thing. Christ died for us, but Paul does not leave it there. Paul wants us to know how personal this gets. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. It's easy to think, isn't it? Christ died for us, for the world. It's a little bit like, and in other places I know, a sort of a military picture is, is used in a military uh, illustration. like Somebody going to fight for a country. We've heard already this morning people are willing to do that, to fight for a good cause. But Paul is not talking about that. Paul is not talking about Christ dying for the UK or for Wales. He says, imagine it this way. Imagine there was one person. Just one. And even imagine if you need to that they were a righteous person, a really good person. and Somebody says, would you take their punishment? Would you take their blame? Would you die in their place? Paul wants us to know that's how personal the cross is. Augustine got it right when he said that Christ loves each of us as if there were only one of us. That if you were the only living person on the planet, Jesus would still have come and died for you. That's how personal this is. And maybe you've wondered, I understand about a God of love, but (laughs) with my past, with my record, some of us, if we're going to be really honest this morning, it's not about the past, it's about right now. Really, Paul puts it this way, scarcely would somebody do that for a righteous person. So God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, while we were still filthy, while we were still fallen, while we were still far away. Christ died for us, for sinners. As Juliana was reminding us last week, while we were still powerless, there was nothing within our own ability to be able to cross the chasm, to be able to reach out to God. It was then that Christ died for us, for you and for me. And this now is the offer of life. This is the offer of hope that each and every person is offered in Christ Jesus. One, one last thought before we come to pray together. Uh, this was something that um, there's a commentary by Matthew Henry. I don't know if you, you know it. Perhaps preachers here might know it. It's a beautiful commentary. Uh, and he points out this thing that runs through this verse. And it's easy to miss. He says, while God, God demonstrates his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, how many people here like a cup of soup? I'm aware it's getting near lunchtime, so I shouldn't talk about food for so long. How many people here have made a cup of soup and have put it in a bowl? Now, you wouldn't dream of doing that, would you? But it, but it is soup, right? You just put it in a cup. Anybody here made some, some soup on a pan and then put it in a cup? Now, see, you, you there is one person. There's always one, isn't there? There's always one. Thanks, Lorraine. But the the thing is, we, we think of ourselves as free creatures, right, as rational beings, but there's certain things that we'd never do because of the way that they're described. How you talk about something is actually really important. And in these verses, Paul tells us God demonstrates his love towards us in this while we were still sinners. We were. How many letters? In the New Testament, start with the words to the sinners in Galatians or to the sinners in Christ Jesus. They all start with to the to the saints. We were sinners. And we know in this state that we're in right now, we will not be perfect and Christ until Christ calls us home, and this process that we're going through of being sanctified will be finally complete. But what if we were to face life in this way? No, I was a sinner, but now I'm justified. That's who I was, but it is not who I am. And it will not be who I become. You know, every day, sometimes when I'm driving to school, uh, the sun can be low in the sky and you just pull down the little visor thing or you put your hand Strange that, isn't it? This huge ball of burning gas that gives light and life to this planet, and yet you can block it out with a hand. At the cross, see, we see that there is more love for each and every one of us than all the stars in the sky. And yet, we can block it. And I wonder if for some of us here today, There's been that block. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's pride, because to be forgiven is to throw yourself onto somebody else's grace. It's completely out of your control. Maybe it's about a label that's been given to us. No, you can't be a Christian. No, you you're not welcome. Something blocks. This sight of the cross, this avalanche, this waterfall of love. I remember uh, a few years ago, and again I won't name this person, but uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, there was somebody that was coming to you, B-Zone, and uh, she was a nightmare. <laughs> now you've already pictured something, but no, 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 no. Nightmare, just disruptive difficult. You know, you'd get to a point in a youth talk where you really feel you're going to get somewhere and just ridiculous questions were being asked or just very, very tough. Uh, and then um, we had a movie night in here one night. Uh, and so uh, we were watching a, a film on the big screen and parents were coming at the end to, to pick kids up and it was a slightly different end time. And uh, this person's uh, mum hadn't got the message about a different time and so she was late to picking them up. So, the other kids had gone, and uh, this person was sat at the keyboard playing something. And I sort of stopped, and there was this beautiful music that she was playing. And then she started to sing. And she finished the song and noticed that a bunch of us were just stood looking at her. One of us just said, you can sing. And I honestly thought for a second she was going to cry. We can do more when we know that we're loved. There is a song you can sing when you know that you're loved. Not for applause, but because you're loved. Let's just take a moment to pray together.